0: What's going on, everyone? Uh, Welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, the guest today is pretty cool. Um, Everyone say hello to Rebecca McKay. What's going on, Rebecca?
1: I'm good. I can't believe that all of your guests are cool.
0: Every single one. Well, um, listen, uh, at this (laughs) point, um, you just got to go with the flow. Uh, Some have been up, some have been down. No, they've been all cool. Um, I've been (laughs) catering it to maybe things, you know, I might, people I might get along with. uh, Sure. Okay. I'll believe that. Why not? I'll Um, try to
1: break your streak.
0: Yeah. So let's hear about you. You're over in Illinois, Chicago area right now, right? Yeah. What's uh, what's life going, what's going on over there?
1: (laughs) Um, You know, it's, I feel like you just have to qualify everything with where we are. It's like, I'm good, but you know, what do I call that? Like a pandemic nine, you know, like um, good considering. Um, Chicago's great right now. Um, I'm closing my door, so my dog (laughs) squirrels in peace without disturbing us. Um, We're we're
0: both dealing with dogs and things of that nature throughout this.
1: Yeah. Um, No, life's good. I'm outside of the city, um, but the city's fine. You know, it's it's that same thing of, my relatives in Hungary, like, you know, see Chicago on the news and they write to me, and they're like, oh my God, you're on fire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, we're Mm -hmm. fine. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) It would be fun to write about. Uh, Speaking of which, have you been using this time to write? I mean, I'm, you know, what's going, I mean, how do you go about using your time now that, you know, a whole lot is not going on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm still, teaching um, about as much as I usually do. Cause that's happens online. Um, mm. but, um, a lot of travel got canceled for me. Yeah. Uh, cause you know, I'm two years in on the great believers, but, um, there's still a lot of, you're still grinds in a way on that. It's, you know, community reads and stuff in the U S but then this was the summer that a lot of my European translations came out. So I was supposed to be really, really busy being over yeah. there. Um, sucks to have that canceled, yeah. but, yeah. Um, I'm also really, really supposed to be writing the next book. And so, um, you know, able to do that, not on an airport floor, not jet lagged, that's helpful. Well, okay.
0: Do you, do you find ever inspiration on the floor of an airport? I mean, I know I've written on the floor of an airport. Um, You know, I mean, those are like those little nuggets of time that are almost better than time at home. You know what I mean? You're just.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I actually, there's a story in my story collection that I entirely wrote on an airport floor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. A very short story, but I wrote it there. Um, no. And I'm always telling my students too, like you can't expect that you're only going to work at your desk and, you know, with your cup of tea and your headphones on, like, no, you, no, no, you gotta no. be cool with writing in the Starbucks mm-hmm. drive-thru like, mm-hmm. and not only do you have to, you know, just like find that those moments of time, but yeah, you're going to find different inspiration. You're going to write different in the Starbucks drive-thru mm-hmm. than you would write at your desk. You're going to see
0: some different person standing in line at the Starbucks and you would, you know, pass yeah. by your window on the street.
1: Yeah, um, totally. Totally. Yeah.
0: And it's amazing how something quick like that can literally lead you down a whole nother path. I mean, it's talked about, I talk about it all the time, but, um, you know, again, standing in line at a Starbucks and, you know, some character walks in and you can just, boom, spark. Yeah. And then, you know, record something on your voice memo or, you know, do you talk to, do? You, is that part of what you talk about with your students? I mean, again, the idea of you not sitting and waiting for it to happen, but going and trying to find it yourself.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm someone, I, I understand not every writer works this way. I've never had to, you know, wait for inspiration. I'm someone with a, a radically overactive imagination. And um, it's, it. you know, for me, it's it's not a matter of, I don't know what to write. I don't yep. know what to write about. I, I have, you know, just avalanches of stuff going on in there. Um, and it's a matter then of executing it, right? It's, yes. it's like just sitting down and doing the work. I understand not everyone's like that. I think there are people who are brilliant writers who will say, you know, that they only have a, an idea for something to write every year or two, but then they're brilliant writers. And I, I'm different. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, we're all, we all dream different too. You know, yes. like our subconscious and our imagination, they're, they're all different, but um, you know, it's, It's not so much, it's interesting because it's not so much for me necessarily about seeing the interesting thing and getting sparked at, you know, the Starbucks. It's more, what mood am I in? You know, like, am I, is there upbeat music? Am I, do I feel, am I like now, because you can't go in, you know, am I, do I feel kind of claustrophobic sitting in my car for half an hour to go through the stupid Mm drive-through and then I realize it's not worth it, but it's too late to turn around. That's gonna put me in a different mood to write this scene. And that's, it doesn't have to be like a happy inspiration. The muse comes and lights on your shoulder. It's like, I'm frustrated and claustrophobic right now. That's gonna come out in my writing maybe in a really interesting way, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Are you a firm believer or do you kind of go about the idea of a routine in your day? Do you write at the same exact time all the time? Mm. No, no, you don't. No, and I
1: totally get why some people need that.
0: Um, I mean, I literally, if I don't write between, you know, 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. every day, might, you know, it kind of, I'll find the time to do it. But yeah, I am that person who yeah. needs that time. So you're saying you don't, you can kind of just go about it.
1: Yeah, which, you know, I, I think, you know, my life, um, it's not that my life is chaotic, but it's not the same schedule day to day, yes. especially, you know, in normal times when I'm traveling and everything, like I'm getting up at 5 a.m. to get on an airplane, Um, I can't, you know, it's just um, a pipe dream to have a schedule.
0: What What about in your early days?
1: You, you know, in it. my early days, so I was teaching Montessori Elementary School. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught for 12 years before okay. I was able to support myself with writing and and teaching writing. Um, and I was writing the whole time, obviously. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like I, you know, it was funny because my first book came out I was like, was just stopping teaching, and people were like, "Why did you suddenly decide to stop being a teacher and start being a writer? How uh, long do you think it takes to write a yeah, novel? Like, yeah. what are
0: you?" Like, no one starts being a stand-up comedian and then, you know, twenty years later they're on Letterman. They're like, "Oh, why?" It's just
1: like, yeah, yeah, right. But all the time, right? Um, why did you suddenly decide to go on Letterman? Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, I was I was writing that whole time, and especially early on in there, I didn't have my own kids yet. Okay, so you know, it was um that was more being able to write at night um right on the weekends I would get a lot done in the summers it's not so much that I had a strict schedule but I had you know I was really busy from eight to four every day and there was no chance of writing yeah and so then if I was gonna you know if I wasn't exhausted I would come home um you know Exercise, whatever. Get a gin and tonic, watch The Simpsons, and then go write. <laughs> Which probably
0: not did not affect guy, my work. I got myself for sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> you say the Simpsons. That for this is like I, I don't watch it anymore. It's funny, but like you know, fifteen years. We 15 all
0: still years. watch The Simpsons somehow. I, I uh,
1: would if it came on. I have no idea when I it's know. on. I don't know how to watch um, it anymore. That's but hilarious. yeah, it was like gin and tonic, gin and tonic, and The Simpsons at like five or whatever. It was uh, like in syndication, mm-hmm. and then I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna write until dinner. I'm gonna write, yeah.
0: And do you try to write every day? No. No?
1: I mean, I I would love to. I feel great when I've written, but I I don't think it's necessary. Um, And I feel like, um, you know, if you can, and if you need to, that's great. My least favorite writing advice out there is that if you're going to be a serious writer, you have to write every day. Mm -hmm. I just think it's just baloney. I think that's coming from a very privileged place. but I also think it's I think it's unhelpful. Like I think you need fallow periods. You don't need to sit there. and I th- you know, and it, of course, then when people say that what they mean by writing is typing, um, you know, you typing does not equal writing and writing does not equal typing. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my book every day. I put the words
0: out of my mouth. I mean, I call it writing on the run. yeah, so like,
1: uh, yeah. We
0: talked before the podcast, I own a dog walking business. I, there are times I'm in the woods by myself with yeah. and when, if an idea pops in my head or if I'm working on something earlier in the day and I can get on my little phone, my notepad and even
1: just write a sentence, it, mm-hmm. you have to just, you got to go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I, I was just, I dropped my kid off at school and then I was walking to get coffee and I, I kind of, you know, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking constantly about the novel I um, yeah. haven't written yet today I will mm-hmm. um but I I sort of figured just wasn't even trying but found a way out of a scene that I was having trouble with of like oh wait she can just jump back into are talking about yeah yeah yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and I think when people think that like I need to write every day what they think they mean or what they think they need is to sit there typing a certain number of words every day which is not always the work that needs to be done and then those writers I see when they're my students, um, they feel guilty taking time to do stuff like outline, or yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I feel guilty about everything, but I'm Jewish, so that's just it.
1: <laughs> Love it. Um, you know, like yeah, like like it's like well, I'm not. I you know I, I I can't take the time to do exploratory stuff. I can't take the time to research. I can't take the time to outline because I have to write my thousand words a day or my five hundred yeah. words a yeah. day. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you have a typing goal. That's really interesting, but that's not the bulk of the work that you need to be. doing. I mean,
0: doing. it could equal bad work, right? And bad oh, work. Oh yeah. A um, right,
1: because you you don't let yourself stop to outline or do that other stuff, and you're just plowing ahead over the cliff. Like <laughs> you're going to waste years actually doing this if you don't stop and take a couple days.
0: I mean, the amount of times you know, again, I'm still a relatively new writer. I just my, my first book got published literally. 3 weeks before the world shut down. Oh and god, then, it's, all, it's all good. Um but uh that being said, yet when I was working on that book, you know, the amount of times where I was, you know, 20 minutes went by and I was working on the same two sentences and I'm like, "You know what? It would just be better if I highlighted it and press yeah. delete." And now it's better. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, it's time, you know, you're talking about the time to write writing on airport floors and you know and air whatever um, time is so precious in everyone's lives and especially I'm imagining your students too because they're not only doing writing, they're probably doing other things right. Um, right. You know, the economy of time
1: Yeah. You know,
0: the value of time, especially you know if you have a you know a family and it, it, yeah, I'm a single dude living in San Francisco with a dog. I have a lot of time um, <laughs> but I still you know, I prioritize my time and with writing, you know,
1: yeah, have well, to it, it, it's interesting. I think that um, my writing students, and it tends to be either grad students or other, you know, really experienced adult writers. Um, and so they're, you know, they're working very seriously on usually a first book. Okay. Um, and you know, once in a while, I'll get someone who goes, "I've taken the year off from my job. I'm just going to do this, or um, whatever it is." And that's great. But but ninety nine percent of the time. Um, people working on a first book. These are people with um, serious, you know, so, you know, some people have this bubble of time. It's, it's always temporary if they do, but 99% of my students and of anyone writing a first book, they have serious career, job, family obligations that they're writing around. Um, I think it's useful for people to know that, that they're not alone in that. Because mm-hmm. people have this idea sometimes of like, oh, but real writers have a cabin in the woods and I'm trying to ride on the train. Um, poor me. And I'm like, no, that's that's how it works for everybody. It really is.
0: Um, oh, I, I, I tell the story, I nauseum, and everyone's sick of hearing it, but uh, you know Adam Johnson, the author? Yeah. He lives four blocks away from me. Oh, um, cool. And I ran into him. Uh, he, he He's a pretty unassuming guy and I wouldn't have never known who he was if I hadn't have like read the little interview in the back of the hardcover of Orphan Master's Son <laughs> that had a little black and white photo of him, yeah, and I see him in my dog van and I, I yell out his name. He looks, at me, he's like, "Who the fuck?" Are you? and <laughs> have this conversation with him for like thirty minutes.
1: Oh my I, god! Te-
0: and I ask him the same question I'm, at, I'm we're talking about right now, and he's just like, you know, I don't have this bubble of time anymore. Um, he's like, you know, I have so many obligations now <laughs> outside of the writing. Right. Um, and you know, he probably doesn't get asked that question a lot. I feel like a lot of authors don't get asked this question a lot of just like, you know, how do you, you got to do Like, when when you do it, you got to squeeze in, you know, I write when I'm doing the laundry on top of, you know, a washing machine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. You know, in, in this bubble of time, not everyone has that. Most people don't have that.
1: Because then I think the assumption is that the people who have that time are the people who've had some success. Okay. The thing is, you get some success and... Um, you know, the main way actually that you're making most of your money is speaking engagements. Yeah. Um, Just like music. To a conference, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, and, or you're doing things because you, you know, you want to, you need to, you want to help people. You don't want to go, you don't want to go live in an ashram and write your next novel, you know? I mean, maybe I do.
0: (laughs) You know, it could mean, I mean, I think I emailed Richard Powers and he got back to me and he, he was like, I want to do it. He's like, I literally live on a mountaintop in Southern Appalachia. He's like, I have nothing. He's like, I have, I can use like a stick with a, you know, piece of metal on top and try to get reception.
1: Oh my Um, God. Wow. That
0: that exists, I guess, but it's also 2020 you know, this is not, you know, 1965 East Village, Manhattan. Um, Right. You know, it's a different time. People have to work in different ways because there's so much shit going on outside of everything else. Yeah. Um, And you made an interesting point about, you know, authors, you know, speaking engagements and how, you know, and that's, let's just call it what it is. I mean, it's part of the business and it's a profitable part of your business. Um, You know, again, I mentioned musicians. Like I've been touring in bands forever and, you know, no yeah. music playing gigs right now, you know, and that's how they're making their money. I'm, um, you know, they're they're writing music and stuff. But yeah, I mean, can you talk more about that? Can you just talk about the idea of you know, again, like being an author on the road and kind of pushing your book and kind of you know, yeah. Again, you you we started. You said two years in, and you're still pushing the book. So
1: absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's um, at a you know, this is my fourth book, so I've definitely. Mm-hmm this has not been, you know, the way it's worked for all my books. Uh Um, but this, you know, the great believers was by far my most successful book and it, it's still, you know, people are still wanting to talk about it and I'm thrilled about that. Um, it's partly, you know, the book comes out and you're doing everything you can often for free or on your publisher's dime. You're going wherever just to blitz the book out there. Um, and then, you know, at a certain point, um, and, and this, you know, didn't happen right away. Um, there's this next uh kind of wave of you know, visiting universities, speaking at a conference, um, you know, everything from like, you know, you got coming, your
0: hands, your head in your hand, literally talking. I kind
1: about of it. I know, <laughs> I kind of do. It's funny because I'm so grateful. And then it's like, of and even right course. now when it's not happening, it's of exhausting course. to think about. Yeah, of but, course. Yeah, it's great. It's, you know, speak at this charity luncheon. We'll pay you this much money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, come teach at a conference, et cetera. Yeah. And um, some of those things are really cool professionally. Like I'm going to go, you know, I'm taught at, for instance, like the Tin House Writers Conference. Yeah. I'm making great friends with other writers. Um, it's, you know, really good audience to get my book to. Um, I'm having a blast it is good for connections and whatever on top of being really, really fun. Um, other things, it's more, you know, I don't really get that much out of speaking at the ladies auxiliary luncheon for the garden club or whatever. Sure there's
0: a, a nice appetizer, I'm sure,
1: right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Glass of wine, um, but it's like, okay, this is, you know, can I squeeze it in? Yeah, and, and yeah. you do enough of those and it's paying the bills regardless of when my next book gets done, yeah. regardless of, you know, whether, you know, cause it's one thing to say, like, I get, you know, this book did okay, but the next book, who knows, it might not. It yeah. might, um, maybe I realize after spending three, four years on it, that this is not a book I want to publish. Um, or I do, and nobody wants to read it, so. <laughs> so I mean, again, okay,
0: so again, so everyone who's listening to this, right? We, they've listened to people, to me, talk about not having any success, and now to a successful author talking about her success. No matter what, doubt will always be there in some form. Yeah, yeah. If, no, yeah, we're not releasing the video of this, but if you can see Rebecca's face, you don't understand what I was saying. And <laughs> there's always doubt is in anything you do, anything you do. Um, and you said, you know, the idea of scrapping a novel you worked three, four years on. I mean, I, talk, I talked to Michael Ferris Smith a couple of days ago and he said he wrote his first book and then he literally threw it in the dumpster. And I'm like,
1: what? <laughs> yeah um there's um my friend michael zapata who's here in chicago he just had a brilliant debut um i interviewed him at like a couple weeks ago at an out it was amazing because it was in person but we were like outdoors on a stage with everyone spread out on this oh, lawn. Definitely. yeah but um he, his first novel that he wrote, he ended up dumping it literally into a volcano.
0: Really?
1: Just to be dramatic, you know, he was like, he could like hike to climb this volcano and he was like, I'm going to throw my only copy of this manuscript into the volcano. I, mean, oh. I,
0: don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, to each their own. I mean, but you don't, know, you're joking around when you say this, right? I mean, obviously you you, you believe in your work and,
1: yeah. What actually what it is is I'm, I'm i'm actually not an abandoner i've abandoned even very very few short stories yeah um i just I feel way. like yeah yeah you get it it's it's not because it's not yeah. an, an idea for a novel or a story is not fundamentally faulty um you know any idea for a novel if you describe it sounds bananas, you know? If I'm like, I'm gonna write a novel about this, this crazy doctor who did set dead bodies and he puts them together and he makes this monster and he, that's stupid. Uh-huh. Now we know <laughs> right? how Stephen
0: King feels, right? Yeah. What's that? So now we know how Stephen King feels, right? I mean, Wait, he- well,
1: yeah, no, I mean, it's like, right? You, you give the, the plot of any, you give the plot of Hamlet, like this ghost comes and it's like, that's a bad plot. Yeah. But the, and, I'm, but what I, you know, it sounds stupid until you execute it brilliantly oh yeah and any idea for anything like this it's it's all unless there's something fundamentally racist or something about it Of course, yeah those these are all fixable things these are all executable ideas and so for me it's it's you know i think the only thing that would really make me abandon a project is if i felt genuinely disconnected from it mm-hmm. just really like i I don't care about this at all anymore. And that really doesn't tend to happen. Once in a while, it'll happen with a short story. But um, if I've invested that much in a novel, it might be that I need to start over. It might mean I need to take two more years. It might mean I need to, um, you know, come at it from a completely different angle. But it's not... Do I need to delete it and start yeah. do something else? It's not going to be any easier with another topic. You only with another work bug. on
0: one thing at a time.
1: Um, no, I mm, I tend to only actively work on one novel at a time. Although there have been exceptions, um, but at any given time, I'll have a novel, and I'll probably also have a couple of short stories on the back burner, sometimes commissioned things. You know, I just, I, you know, I do some, I write some articles for Chicago Magazine. Those are reportage. Um, I had a commissioned essay a few weeks ago. So that stuff's going on. And then um, what tends to happen with me is that as I'm, I'm not nearing completion. I don't want to misspeak on this current novel, but I'm kind of, I've made most of my decisions and i'm just rolling the ball forward and I'm, I'm hoping to be done by next summer um at that point the more generative part of my brain starts really working on the next project mm-hmm. um so at this point i know what the next novel is so I'm, I'm thinking two novels ahead um i'm really excited about it i'm not thinking about it every day you know not living it in, in the same way but it's it's percolating it's, well, it's like a stock the
0: market. market. It's like slow gains in the stock market, right? Yeah, like yeah. You get, you, like you invest in McDonald's and then 30 years later, you check it. Um, <laughs> well, that's what it's like, right? So you're saying yeah. it's yeah. Made, and That's exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, again, people listening, it's just in your head, always working the ideas around. It's like a thick little stew. Um, <laughs> he's literally
1: he's stirring doing? his head right now on Zoom. I want everyone yeah, to
0: I, Yeah, and Reba, <laughs> is, Reba is out cold. <laughs> On my lab. Um, yeah, but no, again, yeah, just constantly. Uh, when you, I, I ask this question a lot when you start a book or a short story or whatever, do you know the end already? No. Ah, okay. Yeah, talk about that. Um,
1: you know, it's uh, um, occasionally, I think I, I always have an idea of where it's going to end. And then if I land right exactly there, that's a little concerning, actually. Uh, um, that, you know, if if I could have predicted from page one where this was going to land, have I written a predictable book? Uh, have okay. written easy okay. book? Have I even learned anything by writing this? Does it contain surprise? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I was talking to a scientist friend the other day and kind of about that concept. And he was like, yeah, if he's like, if, if all of my hypotheses turned out to be correct, I would know that I was doing something wrong. Like either I was rigging the experiment or I was, doing really dumb experiments, mm-hmm. you know? Like maybe some of them, but not not all of them. Yeah. And, I, you know, once in a while a story will land where I thought it was going to, but um, I'm always delighted when things turn and I find myself in unexpected territory because that means I've grown, I've done something that I wasn't expecting to do. It's not the most predictable landing place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I, at the same time, I tend to know, you know, I, at, at a certain point in writing, you're gonna articulate to yourself what the main question of the book is. What is the main crisis? What's the main thing being asked? What are we waiting to find out? And so I will know that that is what we're leading to, but I don't necessarily know how that's gonna turn. Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, either She's gonna leave the convent, or she's gonna stay. This is not the novel I'm writing, um, and I know that the, Although I wish it were now, um, yeah. I know that you know the climax of the story, the place that I'm leading to, is the ultimate final decision on this, whether I know which way it's gonna go, what all the factors are gonna be. Hopefully, not.
0: Uh huh. And it's just when. A lot of authors, and again, in the beginning of this conversation, we talked about the idea of waiting in line at Starbucks, and a character walks in, right? And it it can be just at that right moment where, in your mind, you're thinking about something, you know, of the character walking out of the convent. But now, instead of the character, this character walks into yeah. the convent, and boom! Now you can, you know, so you're always having that. But a lot of people, you know, the idea of like I'm looking at, um, I I got a new painting on my wall, and it's a it's a, it's on a canvas. But the idea that, that before that painting was on that canvas, it was blank, and the idea of that blank canvas, that blank paper, a lot of people can get kind of anxious yeah. about that. But to yeah. me, that that's like swimming in the ocean. Like I, I see an ocean in front of me. I see infinite possibilities when I see a blank page. Um, yeah. And the idea of you know not being able to you know know the end of the book. Um, Good.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, my dog, now my dog wants back in.
0: (laughs) You can let let her in, it's all good. Okay, you sure? Okay. And yeah, but people listening, the idea of like that idea of the blank, you know, canvas in front of you, you just gotta like go forward with it. Um, it's the idea of writing four sentences and deleting three and having one.
1: Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I think, um, when you throw yourself a monkey wrench, or when the work throws you a monkey wrench, um, that is the moment usually where um, you veer off. You know, I, I think that if you if you go into a work completely, you know, planning everything out, and then you execute it exactly. Yeah. Um, it, You're not, it's just, it never is going to be surprising. Mm -hmm. It's never, you know, it's, it's all, our subconsciouses all work so similarly. And if you think about like once in a while, I have a really weird dream, but then, or especially if it's like a repeating dream or something, I'll Google it. Everyone has that dream. uh uh-huh, Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh-huh. not something that normally it's not something. Like losing your
0: make. teeth means you you don't have enough money, you're worried about money or yeah. Like that. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Even things that could never even happen to you. I used to yeah. have this dream all the time about um fish swimming around in the air. That's not a thing that happens. Yeah. Like, Google it. It's a common dream. Yeah. Yeah. Why the hell is that a common dream? But subconsciously, we're very, very similarly wired. Yeah. And okay. so, you know, you go in to that, you know, you have a completely blank canvas and it stays blank. You go in and you just kind of go with your gut on the first most obvious thing that comes to you. It's probably gonna be the first most obvious thing that would come to anyone, mm-hmm. to be honest, right? I mean, we're all weird, we're not that weird. Matilda, shush. Oh, okay.
0: Um, <laughs> the dogs are barking, <laughs> I don't know, this might be, might be the calling card. and I think funny, Reba woke up from that. <laughs> oh. Um, is it? Well, and it's all right. No, Zoom's giving us, and it's almost going to give me the boot. Uh, Rebecca, this was a great combo. I, we could probably talk for another hour, probably. Um, <laughs> do you want to let people know some things real quick before you know what you're doing right now? Are you doing any kind of virtual things? Or I
1: am. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the artistic director at a place called Story Studio here in Chicago, which is a nonprofit writing art center. Um, I teach some classes there, but I'm also the one curating the whole slate of now entirely online classes. So we okay. have, you know, one night seminars from incredible people. We have um, Therese Mailhot coming up, um, just incredible, like, Im- amazing authors. Yeah. Um, oh, Patricia Smith, the poet is coming up. She's brilliant. Um, so yeah, if you look up Story Studio, you can find some stuff I'm doing, but also stuff that I've like selected <laughs> that I think people, I like writers that I trust to be great teachers. Uh-huh. Um, I, um, yeah, my, you know, The Great Believers obviously is out now. Oh, you know, one really cool thing. My story collection, Music for Wartime, um, which came I out- I love in the title of. Oh, thanks. Came out in 2015. They just did it on audio. Oh, like sweet. a few weeks ago. Yeah, and they got like five different actors. So the, the book industry is doing a great job of supporting a lot of out-of-work actors right now with audiobooks. And so I'm saying this, like I, I'm not going to ever earn royalties on this short story collection. This is not yeah. about me, but the I want them to, I want the publishers to feel like they, the actors um, were, you know, like deserved, like I want them to keep doing this basically. I, I want them to keep in, hiring actors. In, in, I love
0: another works, in another world, when I f- in my early 20s, in, um, I'm from New Jersey, but I worked in Manhattan doing um, exactly that, uh, but on the audio side. So I was recording those voices. Oh, albums.
1: cool. Yeah. And
0: I did, you know, I did a couple of Ken Burns documentaries and you know, dozens of audio books. But yeah, I've been in that recording booth
1: yeah, when, You know, when
0: the actor and the producers behind me breathing down our necks and yeah. You know, oh an they work
1: so hard. These are yeah. and like they really make a difference in the life of a book, honestly. Oh, yeah,
0: um, sure. yeah. I mean audiobooks are huge. And and it's cool to hear that you're a fan of audiobooks.
1: Oh, I am, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I I it was a learning curve for me. I I didn't I had a hard time focusing at first on audiobooks and I've I've learned um how i need to do it and mm-hmm. like i play it on a faster speed it helps me actually oh interesting yeah, yeah yeah so i'm a huge fan now but um yes this is a great time to download audiobooks and people can do it um if people do like libro fm in specific for their app that benefits indie bookstores so great. um you don't have to be throwing your money at yeah, we will put, a, we'll put a link for that you said libro fm yeah libro it's like libro.fm mm-hmm. um and you can like choose your favorite indie bookstore and then when you download an e bu- uh, audiobook the money goes to them Great. which is I, great and then you're supporting actors it's, it's, the whole it's point.
0: cool yeah. yeah at this point that's that's the whole idea um yeah. again zoom is telling me that they don't like me anymore uh, rebecca thanks so much for ha- taking the time to talk to us thank you this was really fun yeah, yeah i'm sure hopefully we'll do it again sometime and uh, yeah. enjoy, it looks like it's a beautiful day out by you so please enjoy it. it is weekend
1: absolutely enjoy that puppy
0: ha! Uh-huh. <laughs> she's giving me the look right now <laughs> 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 later. Right. thanks
1: bye